Father, thank you so much for this day. Um, Lord, I truly am so, so thankful, Father. Thank you that we live in a country where we can gather together and uh, worship you. And um, Father, I just ask right now that you do what you do, Lord, um, that you soften hard hearts, that you, uh, man, help the blind see, God, um, help the people um, who have become so deafened by the noise of this world to just be able to discern between your truth and the lies. And Father, I ask that you would protect us, guide us, bless us, and help me, Lord, to preach your word and only your word, and I wouldn't get in the way. And I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. I'm Todd. I'm the pastor here for your first time. Welcome. Hopefully, I'll talk to you later. I uh, told you guys, remember the series I kept telling you that I was going to do, and then I kept lying to you over and over? We're here. So we finally, we finally are doing that today. Yeah, it's good. Thank you for the clap. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to start this today. But I want to start with a verse. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 14, and you got a little preview during the, during the worship, verses 5 and 6. Is he right? There we go. This is um, Thomas, the disciple, doubting Thomas, right? And he's asking Jesus a question. <clears throat> Lord, Thomas said, you don't, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a really well-known verse, right? Raise your hand if you've heard this. Even if you're not churched, of course you have, yeah. But this verse is actually one of those verses that's become Christianese. Now, if you're new to the remnant, Christianese is just our term for things that you hear so much in Christianity that it doesn't have any meaning anymore. It stops having meaning. <clears throat> but I want you to listen to this with fresh ears, okay? And listen to what it's actually saying. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way, the truth, and the life. <clears throat> the truth. And this is kind of a pet peeve of mine when, uh, in our world, the, the word truth. I'm an, I'm an English guy, English and history. I like words. That's what my, my undergrad degree is in. And um, the word truth, right, it means something. It's something we all want. Everyone in this world is looking for the truth. <clears throat> it's what we say we want, but the world and even the church says that truth can change. It can be different. Are you ready? This is very popular even in college and even my Christian college, right? It, is, it depends on your worldview. It depends on your culture. But truth, the word itself, right, if we look this definition up, truth has to be objective. And what that means is it, it exists outside of our opinion, right? If something is true, it has to, but the very word means that its trueness is independent of whether or not we believe it to be true, right? You're going to have to put your thinking hats on today. So this right here, this podium is objectively here. Regardless of whether you right now decide it's not here, it's here. It exists. Gravity. You don't see gravity. We say this all the time. You can not believe in it all you want, but if you jump off this building, you're going to learn very quickly that gravity is not dependent on your belief. 
Truth has to be objection because the very definition demands that it's objective. If truth is subjective, and that means it depends on who's thinking about it, right? Whether it's me or you, that our, our worldview, our, our viewpoint, if truth is dependent on what we think, now listen to me. I'm going to talk to remnant folk. If you're a guest, it'd be much friendlier. You are not above this. And I need you to hear this because I see it in our church, too. If truth is subjective, meaning it depends on what we believe it to be, then by its nature, it's not truth. It can't be, right? It is what it is. If I say this doesn't exist, and you say it does, which is true? Clearly you, right? It's here. But what if I really believe it isn't? What if I paint a dog on it or I make it look like a fire hydrant? It's still here, right? It's still a podium. I know some of you are like, man, he's, yeah, I want you to, we got to think today. If truth is subjective, then it's by its very nature, it's not truth. It's merely a truth, right? An opinion, really. Now, listen. In this world, in this culture, we've been conditioned, that means trained, since you were a kid, since I was a kid, to weaken the word truth. We have. We weaken the word truth. You weaken the word truth. We believe, we've been trained to believe everything is optional. That to be free means the ability to pick and choose our truth. Before you say it's just the world, because I know, Christians, I'm one of you, so I can make fun of us, right? That's the bad world that thinks that. And, of course, we are the ones who know the way, the truth, and the life, and it's just the world that isn't. I want you to think for a second, though, what we've accepted in Christianity. We accept that we all believe different things about God and the Bible, and it's just a matter of, interpretation. We have literally allowed a culture within the church of preference, comfort, and choosing what we believe the Bible is saying. I'm going to say that again. Within our faith, we have very, very, very broad terminology for Christians. We have literally allowed a culture of preference, comfort, and choosing what we believe the Bible is saying to me. Now, before I even get into, we get, we get deep into this, all right, I'm going to challenge it even more, right? We can start at the minor level. What are denominations? What are they? Are denominations not different people interpreting small things, right, even though they're just small Primary, secondary issues, right, if you study theology. There's secondary issues, meaning we've accepted the fact that we can think differently about these truths and still be under the heading of Christianity. And I'm not saying that's not true, right, to a degree, but where's the line? Have you ever stopped to think how strange and scary it is, how broad the term Christian has become? 
how we're telling people that there's only one way while accepting that there are multiple ways within the way. You hear me? We say, come and believe this. It is the way. And then you get on the way, and there's 15,000 little trails that seem to be going the same way. As Christians, we should seek to follow the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the way, the truth, the life. It's incredibly important, right, if he said that, that we are going the right way. That we are going the right way. Now listen, there are things in our faith, we're going to get into this, that we may never know on this side of heaven. But that doesn't mean we should stop looking for it. There has to be a way. And my challenge to you right now as you think about this is how many things in your life and your faith have become just your preference? And because no one challenges it within Christianity, it's okay. I know it's a fact. Let me tell you why. What's the thing that I preach about or say, if you're a member even, or anyone says to you that you're immediately mad about? Is it going to church regularly? Is it giving? Is it praying? Is it reading? Is it accountability? Is it community? What is the thing that you say, I don't have to do that? I don't have to do that. I very rarely hear someone say, the Bible says I don't have to do that. It's always, I don't have to do that. I can't, the, the times that I get the most flack are not the many stupid things I say. <laughs> because I inevitably say stupid things. I will probably do it today. It is the truth that you don't like. How dare you tell me the truth when it clashes against mine? Yeah, Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life. But I can take any detour I want. I can do what I want. I am fascinated because here's the thing. A minute ago I said there's things we're not going to know on this side of heaven, right? That's true. There's little things that, we're all, that we might have some confusion on. That's fair, right? Because it's really important to argue about how many times we dunk someone before they're baptized. But anyway, <clears throat> the reality is this. <clears throat> Even if that's true, aren't you at all curious what the truth is? What the actual truth is? As Christians, we should seek to find and follow the truth to follow Jesus, to accept that his way is the only true way. We have taken a beautiful thing called grace, and we have used it as an excuse to create our own truth. We have to accept that Jesus' way, his way is the only way. It's the only way. Because here's the thing. If we're off a little bit, if we're off just a little bit, is it the way anymore? Is it the way to life? And that's terrifying. How many people are on a way within this broad umbrella of Christianity that are not walking towards life? What if I told you that some of you, you've accepted Christ, that's really the only, right? that's, the, that's the main thing that leads to life, but, but life 
right? Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to give them life and give it to the full. What if you settled for a half-life because though you believe in him, you're still wandering down your own paths? <clears throat> there can be no partial truth in our faith. I'm going to say that again. Listen to me. There can be no partial truth, and your opinion doesn't matter. Now, here's the thing I know. I've done this long enough now. I can't believe it. I still, you know. I've, some of you are already mad. Now, here's what I'm going to challenge you to think about. Why? I don't know you. I don't know what's in your head. I don't know your personal life. So whatever I just said or did to irritate you, that's called the Holy Spirit, and it's not me. He is the only way. He is the truth, and only he, Jesus Christ, leads to life. We must follow him. Not partially, not halfway, not sorta. We have to follow him wholeheartedly down the only way. And we need, to, we need Jesus to give us the truth and the way. Otherwise, we'll just get lost in everyone else's ways. So this is what's confusing for us as Christians. I'm going to come outside of the umbrella again, right? We all know this world, guys, affects us. It affects the way we think. It has creeped its way into our, our minds and our hearts, even as Americans, right? We have a way of life that we all accept to be true, and we've made it synonymous with Christianity, and it's not always the case, right? And here, let, me, let, me, let me tell you why. Well, I can tell you whether you're a good Christian based on if you've got <clears throat> a nice house with a nice car and a white picket fence. <clears throat> because, right, that's, that's what it is to be a believer. You have it all together. This world is telling us to go this way. TV, social media, our family, our friends, our school systems, our jobs. And the crazy thing is all these various ways can lead to success in this world. That's what's so dangerous. So you can start to be successful and say, you might even be happy and go, you know what? I must be going the right way because I'm ha happy, healthy, I'm wise, I'm successful, I must be going the right way. It wasn't the case for the rich young ruler. A man who had it all, who said he followed the rules. Jesus, how do I, you know, rabbi, teacher, how do I, how do I, how do I find the way to life? And Jesus said, hey, you know, do the right thing. That's the commandments. He said, I've done all these. And he did. And Jesus said, okay, you only, you're only missing one thing. Sell all your possessions and come and follow me. And it said the man walked away sad because he had many possessions. He was successful, respected. And yet, he wasn't on the way. We need to, Jesus to give us the truth in the way. Otherwise, we'll get lost in everyone's ways. But here's the thing. So many different people seem to say that their way is the truth. right? And in some cases, they even say it's the way of Jesus. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever been confused? Have you ever had someone you respect, maybe on, on TV, right? It's hard sometimes. You've got these famous people. Clearly, they're preaching the word of God because they've got 10,000 people in their church. So they must be preaching the truth. Right, And sometimes it's confusing. By the way, some of them do. That's the other side of it. We automatically think a church gets so big and they must be evil. That's not always the case. Right? <clears throat> but these, 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 these things you see in Christendom, in popular Christianity, 
can be confusing because they seem to collide, right? So how do we really know? How do we know the truth? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I'm reading through the HCSB or the CSB. You can read through whatever you want. ESV will be close to this if you don't know what that is. When you got it, say I got it. No one's got it. All right. Good. At least you're honest. All right. Uh, you want me to say it again? 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Nice. It's like, Todd, you just spoke too fast. Okay. <clears throat> do not, listen to this, do not, love the, do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. That seems pretty black and white. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle. <laughs> oh boy, I could stop right there. The pride in one's lifestyle. Someone ought to be convicted, I guarantee it. If not, you're not listening yet. Pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does God's will remains forever. This is another one of those verses like, oh, we read it through, I'm already Christian, so we're blah, blah, blah. We kind of, do you ever, I bet you do. You ever read the Bible and you sort of just skip over the stuff that you can't figure out in like four seconds? You just kind of, oh, love, I get that. Money, okay, right? This is one of those verses sometimes. Because we're like, all righty, Jesus, I'm already on the club. I know this. I don't need to hear this. But here's the thing. This was written to believers. Let that sink in. This was written to Christians. So what does it say if we just look at it with fresh eyes and ears? We cannot love the world and love God. You cannot love the world and love God. You can't. Why? Because the world's built on different rules and different ways. They're not going the same way. It's the opposite, right? The kingdom, if you've been here through the kingdom series, the kingdom and the domain of darkness, right? That's what scripture says. We've been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light, right? To the kingdom. They have different rules, different laws. Listen, he says, what does he say? For everything that belongs to the world, and it says these lusts, and you're like, Todd, what are you talking about? Lust, they ask. I was just talking about sex stuff. No, it's more than that. This desire for more, desire for the bigger car, desire for money, desire for status, desire for bodies, desire for power, the pride in one's lifestyle, I am better than them, I am better than you, and it's a very short hop to I'm better than him. You think you have to be rich to be proud? Some of you in here, right? well, I ain't proud, I ain't rich. No, <laughs> Let me come and tell you that your way's wrong. Pride in one's lifestyle, these lusts. What he's saying is all of the things that you want, that the world tells you to go after, more, more, more. That's not my way. The accumulation, the buildup of more for yourself is not the way of Jesus. 
The culture and world is deceptive. It's deceptive. You hear that? That means it lies. It doesn't want what's good for you. Well, Todd, what do you mean? When I'm financially stable, I'm good. You're right. That is good. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's not wrong to be wealthy. But you remember what Jesus said? Let's just talk about money. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why do you think that is? I have no need. I have everything I want. I don't need you. And you say, okay, well, that's fine. And I get more and more, right? And then, hey, and this isn't to shame anyone, right? But let's look at the way marriage is interpreted. I don't like you anymore, so I'll go get a new one. Right? And it seems good because you're happy in the short term. You're happy in the short term. And again, this isn't to shame anyone. There's, biblical, there's things that happen, but my point is the way we view life, right? I have to take care of me. It's so funny. You know, in, in the church, we, we have these things that we, we use as a shield, that when we're called to do things, we know that we can, we can claim these excuses and no one's going to challenge us. Sorry, I can't come to church. Got to work. Got to make money. Got to take care of my family. Is that why you're doing it? Are you doing it because your family's not going to eat tomorrow? Is that really why you're doing it? I can't do it. I got to spend time with my family. Family time. Family. What if you worship your family? Will they be eternal? Will they save you? That's a beautiful thing, right? Family is good. I mean that. Family is beautiful. If you, some of you are in this room have really strong families, God, man, we need that in this culture, right? Strong families. However, they don't save you. And some of you in this room idolize and worship your families. Instead of understanding and reading the, the verse that says this and, and, and really letting it sink in. Anyone who does not hate his father or mother or son or daughter is not worthy to follow me. What do you mean hate, Todd? No, it doesn't mean hate them, right? It's not, he's not going to contradict himself when he says to love others as yourself. But what he's saying is in comparison, that in the moments that it comes to following me or following daddy, I'm going to follow you. But in Christianity, it's okay to idolize family. It's okay to idolize money. It's okay to idolize work and status. It's okay to, to go from place to place, never really finding a home so you can be accountable to anything. Church home. Right? And again, I'm not trying to shame you, but I'm, I'm telling you some reality here. Do you think in the book of Acts, when they weren't to gather on Sundays, that they would say, you know what, I'm not going to go today because it's, it's family TV day? Do you? What about in China, when they will literally be killed or imprisoned? Can't go today. How many Christians are really in America? How many Christians would follow Christ when it's no longer socially beneficial? You see, in small town Indiana, it's beneficial for you to go to church. When I went to college, I had to apply, and on there it asked me what church I went to. Isn't that crazy? I didn't go to a church. I just wrote a church name down there I went to one time. I did. I'll admit that. If you're confused, good, because I want you to think through this stuff. Who's really your God? Whose way 
is the way to you. Most likely, it's the, the most powerful God of all in your life, yourself. The mighty you, the mighty me, and anybody that would dare, dare thwart my desires. They're evil. Any pastor that would dare tell me the truth, well, how dare he? I will go find one for my itching ears to hear. The culture and world is deceptive. It doesn't want what's good for you, even if it seems like it in the short term. It may seem true. It may seem real, but it's all only temporary, and that's what's so powerful. That last verse says, and the world with its lust, let me change, its desires, its, its ways, all of these things that we see, right, it's passing away. It's temporary. But the one who does God's will remains forever. You believe that? Do you have an eternal mindset? If you don't, what are you doing? What are we doing? The reason, the problem is, is in America, there's not really a big cost to follow Jesus. It's getting there. It's getting there. I would say prepare yourselves now. Only God determines what's eternal and only his way lasts, the only way. Todd, what do you mean his way? I got you. I'm not done yet. All right? We're going to jump to Romans chapter 12, another verse that everyone knows, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I love Romans. People that are around here know that. If you want to understand Christianity, you know, put your glasses on and go very slowly, but Romans will explain it, right? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, who was also in a very similar situation, surrounded by a culture that is opposite to them, pagan. Well, Todd, we don't have temples to other gods here, don't we? I just told you a couple. Work, the God of work, right? The God of family, the God of money, the God of sex. You just don't call them that. But they drive your lifestyle. You obey their wishes. What are they? Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age. That means... Don't shape yourself to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So I've told you the situation, right? There's these truths everywhere, these lusts. The world is opposite. We can't love the world and love God. We can't love all these various ways. How do we know, Todd? How do we know? Well, here it tells us, listen, you're going to be, and uh, <clears throat> well, first off, let me go back. We have to, I, I urge you to present yourself. That's an action, right? I have to do something. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. I will sacrifice my desires, the world's desires, the culture's desires. I will sacrifice it by the way I live my life. I will follow you even when they tell me not to. Who's they? You tell me. And he says, holy and pleasing to God. This is the only way to be holy and pleasing to God. To have your life follow his way. That's your spiritual worship. That's a powerful thing when you compare it to what Jesus said, right? He told the Samaritan woman, there will come a day when they will no longer worship on this mountain, but my people will worship in spirit and truth. 
Do I got to throw a podium today? Because I'll do it. I'll throw a podium. <laughs> Wake up. All right? Wake up. I ain't even gone that long. All right? Been about 20 minutes here. Okay? We started late today. Stay with me. I will literally throw a podium. Please, Sydney, stay quiet. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so let's, let's go through this. I'm going to tell you, we're, we're building a case here of how to know the way. How do we know? We know who Jesus is, right? And by the way, your actions of following the way don't save you. That's the odd thing. You have to be transformed, right? You put your faith in Christ, you become a new creature, and now this new creature learns to walk a new way. But they're separate. You could become the new creature and slow the progress of walking the way. You get what I'm saying? Hi, I'm a new creature. I should follow the one who transformed me. Nah, right? <clears throat> Listen to this. Oh, man, I just want to stop because I can just see the Christians. I guess I can only talk to remnant people. You understand that you're bullheaded mules, right? You understand I'm talking to you. You understand that you argue with me constantly behind my back about every single thing that someone says that you don't want to do, even though I didn't make it up, the Bible says it. I never hear you come up to me and say, Jesus is wrong. But boy, will you argue with me or do what you do, you passive-aggressive chumps, right? You just don't do it and then, right? Like I never hear. Here's the problem. All your friends rat, rat you out all the time. You ain't got no friends that ain't going to tell me. I don't know how, right? This ain't even that big of a place. You know how many times I walk by? Or you tell your husbands or your wives and whatever else, I'm talking to you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> Maybe. <clears throat> it says, do not be conformed to this age. So let's pick that apart for a second. Do not be conformed. Does that happen naturally? No. God doesn't tell us to breathe. You know why? Because you and I just take a breath without thinking. Do not be conformed means it's going to take work and action. You are going to have to actively oppose conforming to this world. But my family's not the world, Todd. That's my people. They weren't on the cross. And I say that because I'm thinking of our people. I'm thinking of the things you idolize, the things you get mad about. How dare you challenge me? And before I even get to it, I have to say it again, Tim. No hobo mago in here. I'm not talking to you directly. I can't tell me times. So he was talking, looking right at me. There's a bunch of you, right? I, I only look at you for two reasons. You're either a very friendly person, right, or you're very grumpy. Those are the only two things that stand out. So if you're the grumpy guy, yeah, I'm probably looking at you because I'm going, why? Why, grumpy guy? Why? Girl, it's not just the guys. <laughs> but do not be conformed as an action. It takes effort. So, okay, Todd, you're telling me the way. How do we know the way? Well, one, it's going to take action for you not to be conformed. Okay, well, how do I do that? You have to be transformed. That's what it says. You don't, it's one of the ormed. Right? You're either going to be conformed or transformed. You've got to be ormed. Right? One way or the other. So what is it? You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means my mind, if I have to renew it, does that mean it's a one-time thing? No, I have to keep doing it. Because if not, and here's the key, if I'm not constantly renewing my mind, because I'm in this fleshly body still, right, because I'm surrounded by it, I'm going to slowly be sucked back into conform. We have to continually renew our mind. Okay, Todd, I'm with you so far. How do I renew my mind? You renew your mind, you make it new by discerning, right? 
Like once you renew it, you're able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So let me put it a different way. When you are renewing it, you, see, you clearly see the way. When you renew your mind, you're clearly seeing the way. So it's like, you know, wiping dirt off your eye. You have to constantly do it so you can see the way. Right? It's windshield wipers. There we go. You got a dirty mirror driving down the road. You got to clean that thing so you can see. Some of you all got the dried bugs and all. That's me. I need to change mine. Anyway, I do not clearly see the road. All right. <clears throat> Somebody's going to be calling the cops on me. Anyway, do not be conformed. The stage takes effort. Choice and effort. So here we go. So now we're saying, all right, Todd, we got to renew our mind. If I'm going to know, i got to be ormed, right? If I'm going to know the way, I have to be renewed. I have to be transformed and renewed. I have to be renewed. Okay, how do we renew ourselves? We're going to go back to the Gospel of John. Emma, I waited. I, I, I held out. All right. Gospel of John chapter 17. And this is Jesus. Man, it's one of my favorite sections of Scripture. He prays for himself, and he prays for us. He prayed for you. You. He prayed for his apostles, but he also prayed for you and me. He prayed for you. Listen, you're in the room, you're like, I don't believe in him. It doesn't matter. He still prayed for you. And listen to what he says. Chapter 17, verses 16 and 17. He says, they, he's talking about you. You. Or those who follow him. They are not of the world as I am not of the world. There we go again. We're separate, right? You cannot be with the world and be with Jesus. They're separated. Remember, what we t- you're going to hear the gospel, right? Perfect holiness can't be with something that's not. This world is too broken. You cannot be with both. And here he says, sanctify, make holy. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Make them different. How do I make them different? Set them apart. That's what sanctify means. It means set aside for a special purpose. Holy. Sanctify them by the truth. Renew your mind by the truth. Okay, you ready? Your word is truth. This should already convict some of you. Because the only word that you may get in the week is when you get it here on a Sunday. Your mind's not very renewed. Your, your windshield's not very clean. You're not seeing clearly the way. So how do I renew my mind? How, how do I do it? Well, it has, to be, it has to be transformed. It's cleaned by the truth. And there's only one source of truth, God's word. The Bible. That's not an answer you want to hear. But it's the truth. I don't read, Todd. Well, you live in a spectacular time in history where you can push a button and it reads to you. This guy that I'm going to tell someone's story here real quick, because I can already hear it. He, he's in the room. He, no one's going to know it's you, man. So I know a guy who's saved. It's kind of like my, my background. Came from a family that's not saved. Started reading the Bible because that's what he's supposed to do. And he came to me, and he's like, Todd, I don't understand this. Right? He's got a family. And guess what? He kept reading, even though he didn't understand it. And guess what happened? He began to understand it. The guy's changed the entire direction of his family, right, by reading the word of God. Don't use the excuse you don't understand it. Because he also came and asked questions, right? When he came to me, he came to other people, asked questions. And then what's funny is I haven't even talked to him about this. How did he start understanding the rest of it? Because the Holy Spirit's real. 
It renews your mind. It transforms you. It brings you understanding. So, here's what he says. Sanctify them in the truth. I want to strengthen this a little bit more. Same book, same gospel, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. When you got it, say, I got it. I bought you some time by my slow pause. Perfect. It'll be on the screen. So, Jesus, then Jesus, said to the Jews who had believed him. Don't get caught up on Jews. That just means the people, right, who believed him. If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. Ooh. (laughs) You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I love it, because some of them are in here like, Todd, I know the truth. I can quote the Bible, forward and back. Mm-hmm. Christianese, blah, blah, blah. it's gobbledygook, it's sound, it's noise. If you continue in my word, you're really my disciples. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples. You say you're one of mine then you will look different. You will be sanctified, set apart from the world. You will act like me. If you don't act like me, if you don't follow me, right, because what's the the inverse here? Then you are not really my disciples. We're not talking about perfection, guys, because we know that. But don't lie to yourself. There's a difference between imperfect and not trying. And if you have zero desire to change and try, then I question, and so should you, as you work out your faith with fear and trembling, do I really know him or do I know of him? Do you? Well, I'm a Christian because mom and dad were. Does your life look different? Are you set apart? I didn't even say perfect. See, I didn't say, are you set apart? If I look at you, will I see anything? Maybe not me. Even me, right? And he knows your heart. Would I see anything that shows you're different? Not convenient, right? Everyone's nice when it's convenient. Everyone loves when it's convenient. That's why Jesus said, you say, right, to love your neighbor. I tell you to love your enemies. Every time I don't punch that guy in flag football today is me being a disciple, (laughs) right? It's me looking different because, boy, do they try to get me to. (laughs) That's a true story, though, isn't it, fellas, if you're there? I don't even say anything most of the time. You'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. So how do I know the truth? Remember, the truth, the truth, the truth. How do I know it? How do I know it? i got to renew my mind, right? i got to be armed, right? And then I have to be sanctified by the truth. I know his word, and if I continue in that word, I show that I'm his disciple. And then if I'm his disciple, if I'm following him, if I'm learning from him, if I'm becoming like him, I will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Remember what I told you earlier? You probably didn't even catch this. I said, the world tells you that freedom equates to choosing your truth. Jesus says, no, 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 no. The truth is the only way to be free. It's an illusion, guys. It doesn't matter how big your jail cell is. You're still in jail. All right, let's build on that. 2 Timothy 2.15, the apostle Paul writing to his buddy, the one he mentored. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. We're building a little story here. Hopefully you put it together. You with me? Podium throwing? You want me to do it? Bethany? Why are you saying this? You're the nice one. You have a Christmas hat on. Anyway, 15. 2 Timothy 2, 15. Here we go. You ready? When I got it, say I got it. Perfect. It's on the screen. 
Be diligent. Here we go again. Here's another action word. Stop waiting for it to naturally happen. Paul, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 tells us this incredible thing that's most encouraging and also eye-opening. Even though Todd is saved, and I am, I still have a part of me in this body that isn't fully sanctified, that's being changed, and it wants what's opposite of God. That's how you know, right? Sometimes it's like, gosh, why is it so hard to do the right thing? That's because you're not fully changed yet. The, the outside has to catch up with the inside. So we have to, what does it say? Be diligent. Pay attention. Take time. Work to present yourself approved to God. A worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Correctly teaching the word of truth. There it is again. Word of truth. You have to work. How do I present myself, you know, as a worker approved to God? A worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Boy, does that hit anyone? You ever feel ashamed? Yeah, me too. Correctly teaching the word of truth. When I know, if, I, if I'm able to teach it, what does that mean about my knowledge of the word of truth? told you you got to think today what does it mean if i am able to teach it do we go right if i want to learn how to take a heart out okay you're on the operating table they're gonna give you a heart transplant and the plumber comes in right he's like it's fine man i'm in the union are you right are you gonna be like go for it no to teach it means what you have to understand it right you have to understand it how do you understand it? Well, you have to be familiar with it. How do you become familiar with it? You have to read it. You have to know it. And guys, it's okay if you don't know every verse. I've quoted to you a bunch of verses today. I can't tell you. I can tell you the book usually. I'm not telling you. I didn't go. I appreciate those that go, John chapter 17, verse 4 through 3. 4 through 3? That doesn't even make sense. Anyway, right? I can't tell you that, but I'm familiar enough with the word to tell you the truth of it. You have to know the word. I didn't, by the way, I didn't use, it's cool. People do this. I think it's incredible. You know, I didn't grow up in Sunday school. That's probably why I don't know a lot, right, the numbers. But it's just the Holy Spirit, man. When you read this stuff, it sticks. Correctly teaching the word of truth. Now, I didn't say, this is where it gets complicated, and I'll come back to this in a minute. The tagline here at this church, right, our little slogan is chosen by grace. God chose us by his grace, right? I could work all I want. I could diligently work. But if I haven't been transformed, I'll never be able right, to find the real way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to. So it doesn't save you. right? It doesn't save you, but your salvation will show itself in the way that you seek the way. It's just, a, it's, it's, you know, I, the best way to describe it that I've come up with for myself that helps is I can go out right now to a banana tree, right? Bananas growing trees, or am I crazy? Apple tree, orange tree, bananas, okay. She says yes. I don't know. You'd be surprised at what people jump at me on. Okay, so bananas, right? And if I, if I duct tape apples to every branch, that doesn't make it an apple tree. It's just got some nice apples, which, by the way, will rot eventually. Okay, why? Because it's not an apple tree. Even if an apple tree is unhealthy, 
sometimes, not water or sunlight. It will still grow apples because of what it is. So as a Christian, it's not the works that you duct tape to yourself that make you one of his, but being one of his leads to a life that's different. It's so important. Guys, I need you to hear me. I don't follow this because I get paid a million (laughs) dollars. I don't follow this way because I was raised in it. Praise God if you were, you were blessed, trust me. I I don't do this because I get a cookie when I come off the stage. I'm telling you this right now, stay with me, because I know it's the truth and I've been transformed. But here's the thing. I think about this all the time. How is it possible that believers, entire churches, okay, can live in such a way that does not reflect the love, the life, or the truth of Christ and will say it's okay because they have Christ on the front of the church? But the problem is we can complain all we want. We can complain about the people out there that are giving, that are, that are misrepresenting Christ, that are hurting people, and it's true. And boy, it makes me mad too. And they're perverting the gospel, and they shame people, and they condemn, right? And they put weights on their back. They don't lift a finger to take them off. These Pharisee behavior, here's the problem. Everyone says that. Everyone in those churches be like, yeah, I don't like those people. Churches are made up of Christians or not. We have got to start speaking up for the truth. Listen, you love, a lot of you will go onto your message boards and, you, and Facebook and you'll hammer the world with the truth, but you won't speak the truth to your brother and sister in Christ. You won't challenge them when their life is reflected in such a way that isn't the way. Because, well, that's what God wants. He wants us to just be peaceful. She probably like this. That's something Mandy used to say a lot when we, that was different from me. We're very opposite, right? She's a peacemaker, which, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. But, right, <clears throat> you got to have a few Pauls out there too. But one of the things that happened is, is sometimes because of the way that she was raised in the place she came from, and some of you this is the case, she was taught that anytime you challenge something, right, that that is sowing dissension. That's sowing disunity, that that's wrong. And so what will happen in those scenarios is it's very easy to get swept up in a current that's not following the way. Because all of a sudden, it doesn't really matter what the word of God says. It just matters what the word out of the person's mouth says. You get what I mean? We have to know the truth. You want churches to stop hating people you want churches to start preaching the true gospel you want churches to stop thinking and christians to stop thinking that it's for the haves and not the have-nots is that what you want do you really want change then you have got to start opening your mouth and speaking truth to these other christians because here's the reality some of them are misinformed christians that just need a, a push right i know i do but some of them are wolves and you're so busy attacking people, right, these, these names, me, because for some reason you think the title pastor means I'm better than you, and it doesn't. I am not a good person on my own. You'll challenge me, but you won't challenge each other. And some of you wouldn't challenge me or the pastor. 
And I'm not saying disrespectful, right? Speak truth in love, but truth, you can't get rid of that part. Speak in love. That's what this world does, love, right? Because love's become synonymous with what I want. Are you with me? Or I lose you. Podium, throw it. Hmm? It's so important we know the way that we're transformed and we're renewed. And I'm not saying that every Christian that acts that way that's got caught up in that is not a believer. Remember, Christ saves in Christ alone. But there's a lot of either immature Christians and a lot of non-Christians in the church today. And that might be some of you. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to present myself to the Lord as a worker unashamed. I do really want him to say someday, well done, my good and faithful servant. Everybody wants it, but not everyone wants to be diligent, wants to be renewed, wants to be armed, right? So how do we know the truth? I got a list for you. I know you love your list. (laughs) See, she got excited. List, yeah. Go ahead and throw that up there. It's how to know the truth. Number one, this is something people skip a lot in Christianity. I don't understand why. Pray for understanding. Every time I read the word of God, this is the truth, I pray Lord, help me to understand it and know how to apply it to my life. Help me to get out of this what you want. Do you believe God's real? Do you claim the name of Christ? Do you understand that the Holy Spirit is sealed within you, that he is our comforter and our counselor, that he will lead you in the ways of truth? Do you believe that? It just sounds like words. So what? Then say it. Sometimes we have to be obedient when we don't feel it, right? You with me? I'm almost done. You want me to go 40 more minutes? Because I don't want to, right? I got a dry mouth. (laughs) Here we go. It's going to going to get bad. So pray for understanding. Pray to understand God, not only his word, which pray for that. Every time you read, I challenge you to do that and see if something changes. But two, pray for understanding in the message that you're hearing in the world. You know, a prayer that I pray a lot is what I prayed for you guys is help me, Lord. And this is true. Help me to discern, right, between your perfect truth and the lies of the enemy. Because sometimes they're so hard to, to differentiate, aren't they? Help me to understand, and he will. If that is the true cry of your heart, he will. Number two, this is really going to shock you guys. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. I'm going to mess with you a little bit. I think it's cool that you guys get texts with a a verse on it every day. I do. I think that's a blessing because sometimes, man, God does use that, doesn't he? But if that's your only reading of the word, something's going on. So A.J. talks about this a lot. He's somewhere around here. And um, he's, he, this is his word. So, right, we were talking one time, and he's like, man, I've been reading this kind of dress. I said, dude, why, are you have to, why do you feel like you have to read 30 minutes? If all you read are four sentences, but you understand those four sentences and you meditate on them, that is far more important than if you spend an hour just glazing over an entire book. Okay, if you say, well, Todd, I don't know where to start, it's easy. Pull up towards the back of a book for you right now. Just flip it open and read something. Or, this is crazy, ask your pastor. Ask a friend. Ask someone that's a a Christian, by the way. Otherwise, they'll be like, read the gospel of Judas. That's not real, right? Read the Bible. Read it. Everybody's like, you skipped this part because you're waiting for some crazy wow word of wisdom. That's what I used to tell my mentor. I was like, dude, you got any wows for me today? words of wisdom. Eventually, he's like, I got nothing for you, man. But here's the thing. I don't know why I told you that. Uh, you have to read the Bible. It's, it's very simple. But until you can simply do this, don't be asking for some greater understanding, right? 
You have to read the Bible. I can already tell. I want, I'm already literally about to throw a podium. Some of you are like, I ain't going to read that Bible. Well, then you're not going to be on the way, and you're not going to know the truth. Read the Bible. I don't like to read. Okay, I don't like to work. But guess what? We got to do it, right? Read the Bible. Have your friend, your mommy, your daddy, or someone pay you a dollar or something every day you read it. If you've got to be a money person for a while, which is a problem, that's fine, right? I can't do it because I'd be broke, right? But do whatever it takes so that you read the Bible. So I'll say it again. I gave this challenge a while ago. Esther might be one of the only people that actually did it, but I'll say a new challenge to open it up. I'll make it easy. Read the Bible every day for five minutes, right, even if you're reading the same thing for a week. Do it for seven days in a row. I dare you, chicken, right? I dare you. Some of you are like, I ain't going to do it because he said it. I ain't your chicken. <laughs> do it. Read the Bible every day for seven days. Seriously, I want you to do it. And then you can come up to me. I'm giving you permission. Come up to me, and if, if nothing happened, nothing changed in your life, you can go, Todd, you're an idiot, all right? I gave you permission to say that. Please don't. No, I'm just kidding. You could say that, but I'm serious. I want, because I am that confident that your, your life will change as the way becomes more clear. Number three, this is a simple one too, but very complicated. Obey the Bible. All right, so you read the word. Here's the path. It's right down the middle. And some of you go, that's cool. That leads, that's the exit. It even says exit sign. Great. Right? You just go the opposite way. Read it and then obey it. Do what it says. Guys, I promise you, I don't like obeying the Bible. Sometimes I don't. I'm not supposed to tell you that, but that's the truth, okay? One of the hardest things in the world, and you know, when you, so say, so here's how I get, here's one of the ways I'll share mine, okay, how I, how I get caught up. I will argue, <laughs> I know, shocking, I'm very passionate, and I might get loud, and honestly, I'm not angry most of the time, right? A uh, little note for me, in case you know me, if I get really, really quiet, I'm angry, believe it or not, even though I'm loud, when I, it doesn't matter. So... <clears throat> I lost myself again, talking about loud and quiet. Oh, boy, what was I saying? Someone? Anyone paying attention? What? Not shows up for youth? Oh, yeah, I don't remember now. Oh, yeah, okay. So here's a way that I thought you said shows up for youth. I'm like, it has nothing to do with this. Um, so say I do that. I'm serious. It's very hard for me to then go and say I'm sorry, because my mind will say, but Todd, you were right. So the ends justify the means to me sometimes. You get what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how many people I burn as long as it's the truth sometimes. So for me, right, that's like pushing against a wall. There's some of you in this room that's like, man, I can do anything except admit I'm wrong, even though the Bible says, right, confess your sins to one another. Let me tell you two, two other Bible uh, um, commandments, right, direction that Christians don't do, and you're in the room. One, the Bible makes it very clear. If I have wronged you, right, if I've wronged you and it's not sinful, so I, I bang your toe, you're to forgive me. Sorry, not optional. If I have wronged you sinfully, you're to come to me. And everybody's like, yeah, but you don't. Not go to Uncle Hobo John or go over here to Marky Mark or whatever else. You go to the person. Here's the other thing, and God's so cool. He says, he tells me, if I know you have something against me, even if you don't come to me, I'm supposed to go to you. So guess what happens if we both do it? We meet in the middle. Did you know it says that? That's not optional. I'm, I'm just going to let it go. I know some of you in this room. I just let it go. No, you don't. You're bitter. That's what happens when you don't talk about it. You become a bitter 
bitter person. <laughs> I almost didn't say person, and that would be bad. Remember that thing earlier I said I say stupid stuff? That's what I was about to do. Obey the Bible. You've got to listen. So even in the areas it's hard, some of you think because you obey in the areas that are easy that you're renewing your mind. That's not true. To renew it means I've got to do some things, right, that don't come natural, and over time they become more natural. You have to obey the Bible. Well, what about if it goes, what if it clashes with family time? What if it does? What if it clashes with work time? What if it does? What if it clashes with your life someday? Right. Obey the Bible. And number four, this is, this is actually very tangible to help you. In the areas of confusion, is that all you got? What? Okay, good. I was like, it just says in the areas of confusion, rely on what? Okay, you do know. You confuse me. All right? In the areas of confusion, rely on what you do know. So what do I mean? We may disagree, remember, on the, on the secondary issues. But here's the problem. If you're not 100% confident, right, that if there's areas that it can go, okay, the dunking thing, all right, whatever. This is a real thing. I went to this college where that fellowship believes you got to dunk three times. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, get it? <clears throat> anyway, in that area, that, that's important to them, whatever. I don't really care, right? Here's the thing. If there's areas of confusion, you don't know what to do, rely on what you do know, which is this. Am I supposed to love my neighbor as myself? Am I supposed to forgive? Am I supposed to speak truth and love? Am I supposed to seek peace? Am I supposed to um, love my enemies? Am I supposed to uh, be a living sacrifice? You see what I'm saying? Am I supposed to be kind and gentle and generous? It's so funny, man. We'll spend so much time arguing about these things that we're like, well, you know, we don't really know if we have to dunk them three times or not. And we're, it's like, dude, you're not even loving to people. You shouldn't be, you're not, you should, you're not there yet. You should be drinking milk. You get what I'm saying? The Bible says, right, there's, there's baby food and there's real meat. When you get confused, focus on the milk. Focus on the basic truths. Am I loving people? The Bible says something about love that's so crazy. He says, the one who says he, I'm going to paraphrase, the one who says he's of God but doesn't love his brother is a liar and the truth is not in him. First John, look it up. If you're a Christian in this room and your life isn't characterized by love and forgiveness, I doubt whether you know him because he who's been forgiven much forgives much. You know why I can look at you and say he loves you and forgives you and I'm never going to look down on you? Because I know what I've done and what I'm capable of and I know the grace I've been given. In the areas of confusion, just rely on what you do know. He'll make clear the rest of the way, okay? Or it's just not important in the moment. You got it? Don't focus on, what is it? Don't focus on the forest and miss the tree or the other way around. I don't remember. So you going to play some music and I'll try to get you out of here. Very, very quickly. <laughs> I'm going to ask you something. I know there's a lot. In this series, we're going to go on and talk more specifically about the specific lies, okay, that our culture and our churches teach us sometimes, right, that we get wrong. Well, Todd, how do you know that, you arrogant man? It's in the Bible. I'm not going to make it up. 
okay? And we're going to go over that in the next few weeks. But today was important because I had to make you understand that there is only one way, right? If I'm telling you something that's a lie and something that's true, and you go into it thinking, well, anything I believe is true, then we're in trouble. We have to know that at the end of the day, we're trying to seek the way, right? We're trying to renew our mind. And that's what this has been about. So my question for you is, and be honest with yourself, friends. Do you look for the truth or your truth? Are you listening or cuddling up to your girlfriend or boyfriend? Mm Mm-hmm, I see you. Do you look for the truth or your truth? Because your truth isn't the truth. It's an opinion. Have you let the world influence your faith and your life? Listen to me. Or does your faith shape your faith and life, right? Does, your, does, your, does Jesus and his way shape your faith and life? If that's not who's shaping your faith and life, if it's not Jesus, it's not true. Now, every one of us has areas in our lives where we get a little blinded, right? All of us do. And that's the beauty of Jesus. Is he, he, he's gentle with us and he calls us to change. And repentance is not some crazy thing where we lash ourselves with a whip. It's where we just say, Lord, I hear you. I'm sorry and I'm going to change. I'm going to do my best. Some of you in this room, you take this altar time as just the space between when you came here and when you get to go eat. Or you came here and you leave. And you're robbing yourself. This time is for you to respond to God in whatever ways you need Him to respond, or you need to respond to Him. What ways have you gone off? What ways have you, if you're actually like all of a sudden your mind, I've had it happen, all of a sudden you're seeing clearly and like, whoa, what have I done? That happened to me recently. I became kind of an Eeyore again, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I, I was about to, this is again maybe TMI here, I was about to get in the shower, and I was like, hey, there's a bad day, and I'm sick, and everything stinks, and then I'm like, Man, I'm acting like I don't have the ability to choose to spread joy instead of misery. And guess what? Weird thing. You can ask him, all of a sudden I made that decision and I'm naturally doing that. Because the blinders get taken off. You've got to do the same thing. Take this time today, if, you're, if you know Jesus, and ask yourself, are there areas I've been blind to the way? Have I went off a little bit because it's comfortable or, or it's fun or it's making me successful? And listen, if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus... I didn't say no of him. All of you know of him. How do I know? Because I said his name today. I'm going to tell you the gospel. I'm going to try to do it as fast as I can. Here's the truth of what the Bible's all about. You and I, long ago, Adam and Eve were made perfect. Everything was beautiful and perfect. There was no death and, and disease and addiction and all of those things. None of it existed. And God said, listen, this beautiful, perfect world is for you. All I want you to do, there's one rule. There is only one. There was. I'm God and you're not. Follow me, not your way. And guess what they did? They rejected Christ. They rejected God. They said, no, I will be God. And that's what you do. If you have sinned one time in your life, if there's one thing you've done that you're ashamed of, that you know is wrong, then you have rejected God for yourself. And because of that, the Bible tells us what happens. We are separated from God. Like a branch torn off a tree, we are dying and we just don't know it yet. You, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter if your grandma or your mom prayed for you when you were little. If you, if that is you, I'm a good person. You're not good enough to be with God. He is perfect and holy and good. We are not perfect. 
The Bible says we are separated from God. And one of the, what the symptoms of that is a disease called sin. It's inside of us. You can't fix it. That's why it doesn't matter if you're good a few times on the outside. It's a disease. And just like this cold I have, I can take a cough drop and I'll stop coughing, but I'm still sick. You can't fix yourself. You know it. And so you spend your life, we all do, looking around trying to find some way to feel better, some way to feel whole. And it doesn't matter how much money we get or success or status or how many drugs or bottles of alcohol we drink. You and I both know at the end of the day when we lay down to go to sleep, we say, what is this? And it's not just about happiness. The Bible says that this sin that we have sinned against God, that we have committed a crime against him, and it says the wages of sin is death. You're like, we all die, but we don't all die twice. Hell is real. Hell is eternal separation from God, and it doesn't matter what Oprah told you. It doesn't matter what sitcom star told you. There is only one way to life wages of sin or death and we have stored it up that means you will stand before a holy God and you will give right, an account you will pay for what you've done the things people know and the th- things people don't even one sin is one sin too many well if we were left there we'd be in trouble but God had a plan when we couldn't make our way to him he came to us he invaded this earth Jesus Christ Jesus of Nazareth existed that's a fact he existed. So here's the question, right? C.S. Lewis says it, dead mentor, and he said it very clearly. He's one of three things. Jesus was what? A liar, a lunatic, or he was the son of God. There is no other option. So here is my question. That matters what you think of him because he did exist. And we have historical accounts. It's the Bible of the miracles he did to show us he was God, to teach us the way, right, of the kingdom, to show us what it was like to be with him. But then something else happened. He could tell us the way, but he had to make us capable of going the way. Remember the branch thing? We had to find a way to be grafted back to the tree, which means someone had to pay the price. The wages of sin or death, someone had to die for what we've done. It's either you and me or him. And so Jesus Jesus died on the cross. It happened. This is a fact. Jesus died on the cross, horrible death. And he was alone, utterly alone as the father turned his back on the son, right? Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In a way, he experienced hell so that you don't ever have to. On the third day, he rose from the dead. That's a fact. 500 people, over 500 people attest to the fact that Christ rose from the dead. Well, that seems crazy. So is gravity. You don't see it, but you believe it. This happened. So where does that leave us? Well, if that's all you do today is hear that, you're in the same place you were, which is hell. That's where you're headed. Unless you're willing to accept the gift that he offers. If you're willing to say, God, I believe you, Jesus. I'm sorry for what I've done. I accept what you've done for me. Take my sin, Lord. Give me your holiness because that's what happens on this cross. He offers you today an opportunity to come to him with all your shame, your sin, your guilt. He'll take it. It was nailed to the cross. Time doesn't matter to him. And he will give you the benefits of his perfect life. And here's the beauty. Past, present, and future. You don't have to have it all together. His sacrifice is enough to even make up for the things you'll do in the future that are wrong. He will show you the way. If you can't say today, 
that if, Lord forbid, a bolt of lightning or a bus hits you, that you would be standing before God in heaven. If you can't 100% say that, then I need you to hear me today. You must respond because tomorrow's not promised. Well, what do you mean, Tata? What do I do? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. What do you mean, Todd? I don't have to get these addictions cleared up? No. I don't have to get out of this crazy relationship yet? No. I don't have to stop looking at this, doing that? No. You have to make one decision, one decision only, to turn away from your way and go the way. I was in your shoes. I'm going to say to you what was said to me. You don't have to be afraid. Who cares who's looking at you? It's not their eternity. It's yours. There's going to be people up here ready to pray for you. The lights will be down. I'm going to listen to me. If you can't say that 100%, don't leave here today without knowing, right, that, you, that eternity is waiting for you, that God is with you. Because when you do that, when you confess, which says say it out loud and believe in your heart that this is real, right, that it's true, that you want it, he will transform you, he will seal his Holy Spirit in you, he will change you, he will guide you, and he will save you. And nobody can ever take that away, nobody. Whatever you do, take this time and mean it. Don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.